How's everybody feeling this morning? You guys look marvelous. Everybody looks nice. Um, we're coming to bring the word, amen? amen? Who's ready for the word of God? Just waiting for my wife to get set up. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited to give this word. Um, I just want to say I stand in agreement with what uh, Pastor was saying this morning. We have to be covenant people. It's so important. We have to be praying people. People that are seeking the Lord Jesus Christ every day. Amen? Amen. Amen. Don't forget that. They want to say hi? Hi. Amen, amen, amen. So those of you who don't know, uh, this is my wife, Brenda Medina. Um, This is my rib. You know? I'm a little nervous, I'm not going to lie, because usually I'm up here by myself, so if I make a fool of myself, it's just me. But now I have my bodyguard here, you know, and uh, she keeps me in check. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to be in my best behave. I promise. Um, As we enter into this season, even yesterday, what happened in Paris, um, it's, it's, it's reality. It's reality. It's no longer people prophesying, people speaking. This is something that's happening every single day around us. I mean, it happens in our schools. It happens in, in the you know, in the street, it happens on the TV, uh, it's happening everywhere you go. And um, the hardest part about a holiday season is, is the word love. It's the hardest part, love. Um, today we'll be talking about, uh, we'll be talking from the subject of love God, love people. Somebody say amen. amen. Love God, love people. Um, the scripture that we're going to use is in Luke 10, 27. Uh, we may stand up for the reading of God's word and then we'll sit down, I promise. Simon says, stand up. I'm sorry, babe. I'm like, calm down. So the word says, so he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Somebody say heart. heart. With all your soul. Say soul. soul. And with all your strength. Say strength. Strength. And with all your mind, mind. and your neighbor as yourself. Lord, as we uh, come for the hearing of your word today, God, I pray that you will use me and my wife as as your vessels, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit will fill us up. And Father God, give us something powerful to speak to your body, God, uh, to our family, Lord. So we thank you first and foremost for allowing us to be here this morning. But God, now we are stepping out of the way and asking the Holy Spirit to come upon us. God, that to bring us revelation and truth, oh God, for this holiday season, for this up-and-coming uh, new, new season that you're bringing towards us, oh God, as believers in your body. Yes, in Jesus' Lord. name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus. So first and foremost, I say I'm nervous. I got to throw that out there because anything else that follows, I'm good, as long as you know that. Hallelujah. Um, Nate read the verse. You shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love. What's love? We talk about it all the time. I looked up the definition, and it said it's an intense feeling of deep attraction. And that wasn't enough for me, because I know that after the feeling is over, it becomes a decision. But more important today, I want to focus on the action Because love births in action. 
The way that we show people that we love them is through our actions. We meet needs. We, we buy them things. We, um, we're there when they need us. And that's an interesting thing because um, human nature, for us, we choose who we want to love or we try. We surround ourselves with people that we feel are safe. And we allow ourselves to love that way. And I found that interesting because that's loving people. But how do we love God? How do you show someone who needs nothing from you that you love them? God is never going to pick up the phone and call you and say, listen, man, I need $10. Because he's the owner of all the gold and silver. He's never going to tell you, Pray for me because I'm not feeling good. Because he doesn't need it. He really needs nothing from us. So how do we love God? What I find with God is um, loving God is a package deal. When I married Nate, he understood that I had Naisha. So in order to love me, he had to love my daughter. And that's how it is with God. In order to love God, you have to love his people. When you said, I do, when you became the bride of Christ, you were saying, I do, to the children. It's a package deal. You want me to prove it to you? I'm going to prove to you why. Matthew 25, 35 through 40 says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. For I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and came and, came and clothed you? Sorry. When did we see you sick or in prison and came to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Surely I say to you, and as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. You want to know how to love God? Love his people. Okay, I want to talk about this particular verse. Because sometimes we, we misinterpret. I like scripture because scripture leaves it open. It never directs you to certain situations because it's written that way so that you can put it into your own situation. The prerequisite in this verse was always the need, never the current situation. Why do I say that? Because it's easy to love people when you think they're down and out. It's easy to see a need and say, I'm going to meet the need. Not because you want to meet the need, but sometimes it's because it's human nature. You might walk, sometimes you don't even think. You'll walk by someone and you'll give them money. You won't give it to them because they need it, but you'll do it out of habit. We're kings and queens. And the funny thing about a king is when you give a king a present, you never give him a present out of need. Because if you give him something out of need, then you're saying you found the weakness. You give a king a present out of honor. And as the people of God, we need to learn how to honor each other. You want to love God? Honor his people. 
When God gave me this, we started, he started talking to me about empty reflections. And what empty reflections is, is that the way that we treat other people sometimes is a reflection of how we're feeling on the inside. And what I wanted to deal with today was, although I wanted, we're going to talk about loving people, but in order to love people, you got to love yourself. And today I want to give you a perspective on who you are in Christ, who God says. Because if you understand who you are, then it's easy for you to value someone else. Because you'll recognize, the Bible says that God is no respecter of man. So if he did it for you, he's doing it for someone else. I'm going to use Jeremiah 1.5. And I'm going to break it down for you. I'm going to use definitions. Jeremiah 1.5, the first thing says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. We hear, I knew you. And we think about how people know us. They know about us. They really don't know us. Truth be told, sometimes we don't know us. You don't know who God has called you to be. We walk around in a fog because we don't understand. In the Hebrew, the new thee, the new you, was written with the force, which the word often has in, wait, the force which the word often has in Hebrew implies not only foreknowledge, but choice and approval. So not only did God know you, he chose you and he approved you. Let's take that a little deeper. God knew every situation you would ever face. And if you know God, if he knew you, if he knew you were going to face it, then he provided a way. He gave you a way out. He provided you with whatever you needed when you were going to face that thing. So it's in there. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell him it's in there. It's like prego. Yeah, we are prego, right, as a ministry? Amen. Before you were born, I sanctified you. Now, that might not get you excited, but I'm going to tell you what sanctified means. It means he set you apart. He declared you holy. He consecrated you. He made you, he blessed you, he made you hollow, he dedicated you to himself. He made, he made you legitimate and binding by religious sanction. He approved you, he sanctioned you, he condoned you, he vindicated you, he endorsed you, he supported you, he backed you, he permitted you, he allowed you, he authorized you. He freed you from sin, he purified you. He cleansed you, he absolved you, he unburdened you, and he redeemed you. This was before he even formed you. So sometimes you think that you don't qualify. And it's real easy to look at your situation and think, I don't qualify. But God is saying that before he formed you, he had already redeemed you. He had already chosen you. He decided that you were enough. How dare you say that you're not? It continues to say, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Ordain. It means to order, decree, officially, to rule, to command, to lay, set down, establish, dictate, legislate, prescribe, and pronounce. I don't know if you remember, but in the beginning of the Bible, when God began to speak 
Did you not realize how things moved? That's what God did for us. He spoke to us. We carry his word. So we get caught up in the details of our lives. But what we don't recognize is that there's already a word. Are you listening to me? There is a word. That means that there's no obstacle that can stop you. The only one that's stopping you is you because you refuse to continue to walk through it. God spoke it. I want you to realize something else. In the beginning in Genesis, everything was dark and void. That's where a lot of you find yourself. That's where the obstacle is, in the place where it's dark, in a place where you can't see. When you realize that the word is already inside of you and that it's a creative word, that it's a word that gives you access, that once that word begins to speak, everything has to move out of the way. Nothing can stand in the way. That's who we are. And if we recognize who we are, then we would recognize that our brothers and sisters have the same thing on the inside. There's a word. And I don't know if you know, but sometimes the connecting word The word that's going to take you to the next level, your brother and your sister are carrying it. One of the greatest things that the devil does is it keeps us fighting with one another. There is power in numbers. And it's all about the word. It's all about the word. Amen, amen, amen. So I just want to stand in agreement, and I agree. Before we can love people, we have to love God. You got to know yourself. You got to know what you're capable of. What can you do? What are you good at? You got to know yourself. Loving God gives us an extra edge on loving people. I thought that I loved people when I was in the world, but I really didn't love people until I really knew who God was. It opened up the avenue for me to be a husband. There's no manual to being a husband, but the manual is God. It's his word. So if I want to get into a deeper connection and loving God's people, I have to first know how to love God. When, 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 you're, when you're building uh, trust towards God and his personality, you tend to realize that your love cannot match with his love. It cannot. Because you see how big and unconditional God's love is towards his people. As you get closer, you you begin to realize how God is perfect, how he's mighty, how he's amazing, how he's polite, how he's strong, how he's patient, how he's loving, and how awesome he is. Jesus. And that's why I cannot compare people to God. God literally stands alone. Can I get an amen? Amen. Because when you think about half of the things that you've done, And all the mistakes that you have done. And everything that I don't know about you, but only you know. And God still says, I love you. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that amazing? That if people knew about some of the things you did, they'll turn their back on you. But God goes like this. Come on, it don't matter. Let it go. Bring it over here. I love you regardless to the fact that that I don't care. I'll make you whole. I'll give you what you need. Just come to me and I'll hug on you and love you and embrace you. My God. And, and that's the problem that when we go through this process of the holiday season, we, we, we go back and, and think about every single time we've been hurt. There's something about this holiday season that keeps us in a negative mindset. 
because it reminds us of the things that we never had. It reminds us. So when we look at the TV and they have all these nice movies and everybody's dancing and ice skating and, you know, Charlie Brown is just chilling and Snoopy's hanging with the little bird and everything seems so perfect. But then when you look at what you're really dealing with, you look around and you notice how much you don't have. And, and, and now you, you look at people and you begin to dislike them because of maybe they're blessed more than what you might have at the, to- at the moment. Or maybe they might have the family that you desire and you don't have that at the moment. Or maybe they might have their husband or wife or, you know, finances or their nice car. And you're, you're wanting that. And then the holiday season, like, reminds you. And what happens is now you, you, you start disliking people. It's amazing. And as you get closer to people, you begin to realize how messed up they really are. When I get closer to God, I see perfection. When I get closer to people, I see mistakes. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? When I read God's word, I get inspired. But as I get closer to people and start hearing how they really talk, I get disgusted. I'll be like, whoa, what's going on? Am I the only one? Because I know that this is deep. This is deep. But it's okay because this is stuff that normally is not spoken about. How, how a lot of us walk with the smile but are not smiling. Uh, we're walking around, we're praising, and we're lifting up our hands, but deep down inside, we're hurting. And, 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 you know, we're not being healed because we choose not to be healed. God is a loving God. So when you first, before you can love a person, you need to love God. Amen. I remember when I first came to Calvary, how beat up I was. How much hate was in my heart. It was, it was, anyway, I'm going to get to that. Um, you've been, you've, when you get next to people, you realize how messed up they are. You, must, you, you realize how many issues they have. You, you, you realize how different they are. <laughs> and how everybody has their own unique way of doing things. You know, look at your neighbor and say, there's only one of me. Only one. I'm sorry. If you want me to be like pastor, I am not like pastor. <laughs> I could never be like pastor. He's too kind. He's too nice. He's like a loving wet tissue that just always wants to like, you know, I love him. But, but when I look at him, I look at a direction of where I want to go. That, that's what I'm trying to tell you, that everybody has their own unique way. And you have to find a love. You have to find a way to love them. You have to find it in your heart to love people, even in their, in their differences. Listen, God doesn't turn his back on people. People turn their back on God. And what happened is, go back to the beginning verse. It says, love me with all your mind, all your strength, with everything. But also love people like you love yourself. And the people, they're not just talking about friends. They're not just talking about homeless people that are in the corner and you're giving them a dollar. They're talking about your own family. For some of you, your own husband or wife. God has given you a command that he's telling you, listen, if you want to love me, you got to love them. This is deep. I know. Trust me. I was the one putting this together and I was like, ugh. People are complicated. And many don't understand each other. A lot of us don't understand each other. It's okay. I, I, I'm not supposed to understand every single thing. That's why there's fellowship. 
That's why they're spending time. That's why there's work. Because as you get closer to somebody, you begin to understand them. Amen. I remember when I dated my wife. I loved the dating season. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. But it wasn't until we got married and then getting to know her on a personal level where I begin to understand that, man, if I'm going to love her and I'm going to stay married, I got to change. I can't stay the same. I can't be the same. The, the, the stuff that used to carry me in past seasons, I can't carry that with her no more. I had to develop. I had to surrender. I had to deny myself. Because in order for me to love her fully and treat her with the respect that she deserves, I had to begin to change. Did that come quickly? Probably not. But is it happening? Yes. Yes. When you want to deal with people, you have to be able to surrender. You can't be on guard all the time. You can't be like with your dukes up, like, come on. Like pastor says, bring it here, bring it here. Come on, come on, come on. You can't do that all the time. You can't be on defense. You will get sick. You will get sick trying to change people with your own strength and ability. You can't go. (gasps) (laughs) Eventually you'll give up because they're not going to change like that. Amen. But it's, it's, it's like, it, I know, it's funny, but that's exactly how I see people. Because, you know, in the beginning, my wife is a very strong woman. And in the beginning, she was forcefully trying to make me change. And it will forcefully make me want to fight. <laughs> but it wasn't until she said, oh, I'm going to give it to God. You know what I'm saying? Well, I begin to start understanding, like, oh, whoa, whoa, let, me go, let me go before God now. Lord, don't change her, change me. Change me. Develop me. I need the growth here. You see, men could humble themselves too. It's okay to give up the keys and let the woman drive for a little bit. Humble yourself. Let yourself grow. Everything doesn't have to be a fight. Aren't you tired of fighting all the time? Look, you come to my house, everything is peaceful, man. And I love it. I love it. Thank you, Jesus. Um... There are people, they're different. They come in all colors. They come in all shapes. They come in all sizes. Everybody has different attributes and abilities. Amen. When I look at everybody in this room, none of you look the same. Even, even twins have something that's slightly different. Nobody is exactly the same. But yet we all still have our God DNA in us. Amen. Isn't that funny? That I might not look like you, but we still have something in common. So even if people are coming with their difficulties towards you, you can always remind yourself that, wait a minute, you're still my brother. You're still my sister. I can still love you. We can still communicate because I understand that you're going through a problem right now. You're dealing with a situation, so I'm not going to choose to react and completely shun your way. I'm going to trust the blood of Jesus. So I'm going to begin to pray for the process to take its course. Amen? Amen. So some people are adventurous. Some people look at life and everything is an obstacle. Anybody know? Anybody like that? No? Me? Maybe? Okay. Some people are generous. Some people give everything that they have. Those are good people. I want some generous people in my life. (laughs) Some people are very active. And I know that if you're very calm and subtle, you might not want to be around somebody that's active. (laughs) 
not even say nothing. Don't Amen. Get in trouble. If, 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 if you're stingy, you might, not, you might want to not be around somebody that's very generous because it's going to make you feel bad. Amen. So there's different type of personalities. Some people are strange. <laughs> Can I say that? The pastor? Am I okay? <laughs> pastor opened up like, strange? What do you mean? <laughs> yes. Some people are very strange. They talk about different things. You know, like what's not important to you, it's important to them. Like the universe and the way that the world spins and, you know, um, I don't know, atmospheres and comic books and, and the way that the street is curved and why is this street sign not here? Have you ever met anybody like that? That, that? Like you're sitting and you're worrying about how to pay your bills or what's happening in your job. And the only thing they're worrying about is we must protest because there's no street sign right here. But yet we're not called to hate them. We're called to love them. You understand? So what am I saying? What am I trying to help you get out of this? Is that we are called to love God, but love his people. Love his people. There's some people that are humble. Man, those people annoy me. I hate humble people. Because it's like no matter what they deal with, they're just like calm. Pastor. It's like calm. He's the type of person that, that, that the world explodes and he's like, let's pray. And, and, and those type of people are just good in chaos situations. Those are the ones that you want to be around when something bad happens. Because they're the ones that are thinking straight. Isn't that funny that when the world is going chaos, you look at somebody that's humble and they know exactly what to do. To the T. And they're not like running around. You see me, I'll be freaking out. <laughs> I'm going to call pastor right away like, pastor, tell me what to do. Just tell me. Some people are more daring. Some people like to take risk. I mean, weird people just like to like jump off of buildings and, and walk over tight ropes from one building to another. And you laugh, but to them it's like they're walking on cloud nine because they're just different. Everybody has their own different way of seeing things. Some people are very original. Some people just rather just stay home. They don't like to party. You know, they're just homebodies. And a lot of people don't like to be around them, but they they live like one of the safest lifestyles, especially for this time and season. Because now if you go out, you're, you're putting yourself in danger. But if you stay home with them, the only way you can get hurt is if something comes to the window <laughs> or if the ceiling falls down. And you might want to be there because then you can sue like pastor said. <laughs> this characteristic, and then I'm almost done with my part. This characteristic is, is one of the funniest ones to me. The people that are most confident. Mostly are like CEOs, directors. Those are people that are not shaken. You know, you can tell them that the sky is red, and they'll tell you, no, the sky is blue, and that you cannot change their mind. They're very, boom. Driven. Just driven. Those people are like really hard to get to, but still, we are called to love them as well. Amen. The Bible says it like this. Um, and we taught about this in the church. Um, it's a face of a man. Face of a man. It's, in, it's biblical. It says, those are fun and outgoing people. I, I am a face of a man. I, I, I don't like when the room is serious. It bothers me. When everybody's like upset, I'm like, I just want to make a joke. I want to talk about either a booger in your nose. Something got to come out of me that takes the, like, the seriousness out of the room. Because if not, like, I'll freak out. You know, like I'll just lose my mind. So I got to do something crazy you know like it just mess up the moment i don't care like let's just you know be spontaneous that's the face of a man a face of an eagle 
Face of an eagle, they're, they're very administrative. You know, those are people that are just like gun-ho. Like, they got to just make it happen. They're not worrying about being funny like a face of a man. So when I get around an, an eagle, they're mad at me. It's not the time for that right now, Mr. Medina. Get away from me. We got to get this job done. You always want to play too much. And I'll be like, walking away. That's, that's eagle. That's what eagle people. Anybody know an eagle person? Raise your hand if you know an eagle person. That's my wife. Jesus. I'll be at home trying to dance, you know, and she just gets upset, you know. She's an eagle. You get people that are like an ox, amen? They don't look like an ox, but they're like an ox personality. Those are people that are good workers. Those are people that you can put and, and, and make something happen with. They're the ones that just like, they work well with the eagle because they carry the eagle's vision. Those are the ox people, but they don't like dilemma. They don't like chaos. Everything has to be structured for them. It has to be in order. Thank you. Has to be. If not, they will freak out too. You ever seen an ox freak out? What kind of noise do they make? I don't know. They just freak out. They don't, right? They got to they gotta make some type of noise. Every animal makes noise. They do something. But oxes are safe people. They're the ones that like to be safe. They have to feel protected. And then you get the face of a lion. Somebody go, rah. Jesus, be careful for a lion. It's so funny because some people may have, like, maybe all of them. Some people might have an eagle and then be strong with the face of a man. Some people might be strong with the lion and be strong with the ox. But when you got a lion straight up, like Julio Rodriguez, <laughs> man, get out of his way. He will eat you. If you try to send him something, like an image to put up, last minute, Nate, I don't have the time for that right now. I have to get to it. Like, he'll just eat you. Anybody can say amen with me? I love Julio. But he's gangster. And it's okay. Because I understand his personality. He's also an eagle, so he's very structured. And if I try to wave him a little bit, he just, boom. And then that's what my face of America is. Come on, man. You know, you know I'm your friend, yo. You know I'm your boy. Amen? Because the face of a man always finds a way to get it done too. But they do it in a funny way. And it annoys them. It annoys them. So, Julio, I'm sorry. If I ever annoyed you, God is good. Yeah, yeah. So, the Bible, the Bible calls it real simple. It calls it the body of Christ. It's the body of Christ. We all connect together. All of us are supposed to work together. Even if you're difficult, I'm still supposed to find a way. If I love God, I got to find a way to love you Amen. and find a way to make it work. Let's connect. Amen. Like pastor says all the time, my hand won't work effectively if it wasn't connected to the fingers and the elbow and the shoulder. Each piece is important. Amen. And one without the other, you might adapt, but it's still not full. It's not whole. So what happens is that in the body of Christ, we tend not to deal with those type of difficult people. We tend to run away from those difficult people. And then what happens is that the body is not effective because it, it could be that person that you choose not to deal with in your family that could bring your whole family back together again. Amen. It could bring your own. It could be your own spouse that you're not connecting with and your home is in chaos. 
because of the fact they're not connecting with your spouse. And if you just choose to love and let it go and try to make it work, the body could be whole again. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, my loving spouse forgot to mention is that he has all of those personalities. (laughs) So pray for me, church. Pray for me. Hallelujah. Um, So sometime this summer, Belinda invited me to the gym. And we went into the gym. We went into Planet Fitness. And it was great because they had a no-judgment zone. And what that meant was that I was able to go into the gym, and I didn't have to worry about anybody looking at me any kind of way. If I did the exercise the wrong way, I was capable of doing that. I was free to make mistakes, and nobody was going to judge me for it. Nobody was going to call me on it. Nobody was going to snap on me, was going to crack jokes about it. Nobody was going to laugh at me. It was my ability to do it wrong and figure it out. What you will find is you will have people come over and say, maybe you should try it this way, which is very different from criticism. So it made me feel safe. So as I was thinking about that, I thought about how the church is supposed to be that way. We're not supposed to be judgmental. And a lot of times we try to do God's work. We figure out that people aren't exactly doing things the way that we would like them to do. So we try to tell them how to do it right. Julio, can you put that up for me? By the way, I got to give it up to Julio because I sent him a picture today. And he didn't fight with me. He didn't scream. He didn't complain. He told me, okay, send it to me. Just saying. So when I was thinking about this. (laughs) So when I was thinking about this, I thought, This picture popped into my mind that I had seen. It says, for a fair selection, everybody has to take the same exam. Please climb that tree. It's not fair, but that's what we do to people. In our mind, we have already have a preconception of what people should be. And when you don't measure up, now I put you off to the side. You know... It's very simple. Sometimes it's how a person looks. If you don't look a certain way, then I can't receive anything that you say. Sometimes it's how a person speaks. If you don't speak clearly enough, if I can't understand you, if you speak slang, then I put you off to the side also. And you know, We are our brother's keeper. And you know why we're our brother's keeper? Because God has you where you're at today. But sometimes we forget where he brought us from. And you are the expression of God to your brother. Not only that, but sometimes you fail to, 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 to imagine that that brother has the next key to your, to your stage. They have the next key. The next level is hidden in that brother. And if you understood that when he reaches his full potential, he might be the one that helps you reach your next level. Sometimes we're in the same level, we're going around the same mountain, and it's because God is placing the right people in the right places around you, but you can't see the potential. I've changed my prayer as of late. I've been praying, Lord, bless my perspective. Allow me to see the potential in the people, places, and things you've placed around me. 
Because the keys are there. You just got to see it. And you know what's sad? Not only do we do that to people, but we do it to God. We're used to seeing God move a certain way in our lives, and when God starts to do something different, you miss it because you can't see it, because you can't receive it, because you can't accept it. God has really been calling us to think out of the box. And in order to do that, he's bringing people that are out of the box. Because in order for us to understand who God is, sometimes you have to see the manifestation of it in your day-to-day. The Bible says, if you don't love your brothers and your sisters that you see, how can you love me? How can we love God? We say we love God because it's the thing to say, right? That's the Christianese. We love God. But are our actions saying that? You know, we saw it with the Pharisees. Jesus showed up, and they didn't even know he was there. And we look at that, and we judge that. But how many times has God showed up in your day-to-day, and you completely miss it? I had a pastor moment recently. And I laugh because, you know, I, I heard your testimony. And it didn't affect me right away. It took a little bit of time, but then God began to speak to me about giving. So I just started to give, and I find that I give out more than I should. And I, I've, I've come to a place where I'm okay with that because I recognize that, that God takes care of my need and that whatever I need, somehow, some way, it always comes through. So I, I don't second-guess it. Sometime this week, I went to go buy lunch, and there's always this one man standing in front of the restaurant. And it's become a, a norm, so much so that he waits for me on an everyday basis so that I can give him some money. Not a problem. On this particular day, it's funny because I had the money in my hand already that I was going to give him. And as I'm walking towards him, he starts to celebrate because I'm there. And, I, you know, you're not thinking about that. It's a busy day. I'm just trying to get, to get me some food. I hand him the money, and I keep moving. And he's just excited. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I'm like, okay. I went in. I got whatever I had to go, and I was getting ready to leave. I got around the corner, and I realized that I had forgotten something in the store. So I go back into the store. As I'm getting close to the store, the guy is standing outside. He ran in. He bought food, and he's golfing it down like he's never eaten a day in his life. And that ministered to me because if I had judged I would have never given him the money. Oh, he's just going to spend it on alcohol. Oh, he's just going to go get high. But he was hungry. And I don't know about you guys, but that's just a need. That's something that we all have. So we can all sympathize with that. Imagine if we were waiting for our next meal to come from someone else. Would we ever get that meal? Because sometimes we think God says we have to be a good stewardess of our money. So that means that I have to watch over it and I have to decide where it goes. And and yeah, that's true when it comes to something. But God gave. And we're supposed to give. And it's not for us to judge what people are going to use it for. For instance, when somebody asks it in the corner, when I give it, I don't know if he's going to go get high or if he's going to eat. But I give it with the intention that you're going to use it. That, that you're going to eat, you're going to get something to eat, that you're going to use it for a need, not for a want. I can't make that judgment call. 
Some people come to church and don't want to give money here in the church because they think, why? Why should I? They don't need it. I need it. But we fail to realize that rent costs money, that people need to be fed. I don't know, but there have been times in my life when I've had a need. And I know that the church has shown up and has blessed me. So when you give to the church, it's not about giving to the pastor. It's giving it unto the Lord. And you're right, God don't need your money. But it's about a heart condition. Because money means something. I mean, you can say to your blue in the face that money don't mean nothing. But at the end of the month, when the rent got to get paid, if you don't pay it, you got to leave. You got to move. So rent, um, money has importance. What are you doing with it? Let me go to the next one. Judging people versus judging God. And we went through that. Understanding people, understanding God. What you don't understand is the thing that you judge. And that's why we're constantly in conflict with other people, because we don't understand. And the real deal is we're not called to understand. Each one of us has lived a different life. We've gone through different situations, and our decisions have made different circumstances. I mean, because you're a product of your decisions, right? So we could have the same situation happen in our lives, but based on our decision is the, is the path we're going to take. So I'm not always going to understand where you come from, and that's okay. I'm not called to. I'm not God. All I have to remember is that you're a child of God. That if you're here, is because we're called to walk together. And I got to figure that thing out. Hallelujah. I got to put, my, my, put myself to the side. You know, when I first came to the house, I remember I had a sister who didn't like me. At all. And after having a couple of conversations with her, she came to the realization that she didn't even know why she didn't like me. She just didn't like me. And I had to become okay with that. Because guess what? You're not going to like everybody you come across. We're not called to like each other. We're called to walk together. And we have to figure out, as a people, how can we agree to disagree? How can I plant the seed in my enemy? Because the Bible says that I'm supposed to love my enemy. doesn't mean I got to like them. But I got to love you enough to be able to give you word, to plant the seed in your life. How can I do that? It's with action, right? Everything that you feel doesn't have to come out your mouth. Just because I feel it doesn't mean that I got to say it. And once we get to know that, once we understand that, then that's when we begin to grow because the real deal is there's a lot of things that God tells me to do that I don't particularly like. Actually, that I don't want to do. There are times that he's called me to do things and, I, you know, I, I hide under the pretense like, I don't know if that's God, so I'm not going to do it. And the truth is, sometimes you know it's God. You just don't want to do it. And it takes a little bit of nudging before you do it. But does that mean that I separate myself from God because I don't understand what he's doing? Absolutely not. Because I find that I grow the most when I do 
what God asked me to do in spite of how I feel. And, you know, the funny thing is, is you grow the most with people you don't like. More than you would with people that you agree with. You don't need no yes people in your life. You know, I laugh because I'm usually very mellow. And God has always put me in places where I've had to deal with people with difficult personalities. But because of it, I've grown. And what I find is at work, even at work, I mean, the most difficult patients are usually people that I get along with very well. So when nobody else in the office can get along, nobody else can talk to them, I'm usually the one that can pick up the phone and I can have conversations. And they like me. They generally like me. But it's because God has put me in an arena where I've had to learn how to love in spite of how I felt. You know, when I first came to Christ, he told me, you're called to love the unlovable. That's never a prophecy you want to get. <laughs> I started thinking about that. I'm like, Lord, what does that mean? Oh. <laughs> Throughout the years, I've learned that. But I'll tell you something else about difficult people. They're loyal. So I've, I've been surrounded with the most loyal people. People that like you will yes you to death. Even if they don't agree with you, they'll yes you. And behind your back, they'll say something different. They'll behave different. So you got to get with your enemies. You got to surround yourself around people that don't think like you, around people that don't act like you. Is it going to be comfortable? Absolutely not. Are you going to grow from it? Yes. Leaps and bounds. My life is a testimony of it. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Proverbs 14.4 says, Without oxen, a stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for large harvest. Man, I like clean stuff. It just makes me feel good. But guess what? Clean doesn't pay the bills. If I want to pay the bills, I got to get dirty. And we got to get to a place in this church where we're willing to get dirty. Because guess what? You wash it off. We're covered by the blood, right? The blood washes everything off. That means that nothing sticks. I shouldn't be afraid to speak to someone different than me. At that, I should want to speak to someone different than me. I shouldn't be afraid to go and speak to people that don't believe in God. I should want to speak to people who don't believe in God. Why? Because I got something to say. I got a testimony. Their belief is not going to stick to me. I shouldn't be afraid to speak to the Muslims. There's no fear. Why? Because they have something, I have something they need to hear. Their religion is not going to stick to me. Why is it that we play church and we only fellowship with the church? God is calling us to go outside and to minister to those that don't know him. He's calling us. To go out and represent him. Light doesn't work in the light. And we're all light. Light only shines in the darkness. Do you ever find yourself in the dark? Because we should be in the dark at some point. And our light should shine. The Bible says that your giftings make a way. 
And I'm convinced that you don't figure out what your giftings are until you're in a dark place. It's the only place you shine. And you also got to know that God called you to shine. So you shouldn't be intimidated to shine. It's what we're called to do. It's in those times that you feel the strongest, that you feel the boldest, that you feel the, like you can conquer the world. So why do you deny yourself? The enemy comes and throws a cloak over you and tells you you're not enough. You're never going to amount to anything. You ain't got nothing to talk about. You've never gone through nothing. But it's a lie. Because the light is in you. But you see, as long as you're around light, you're never going to recognize that you shine. It's only when you're in the dark. So I encourage you to go out and begin. And I'm not encouraging you to go to the clubs and go get high and get because you want to be around darkness. No, I'm encouraging you to go to the byways, to the highways and to really begin to declare that God is Lord. Because it's easy to say it when you're surrounded by your brothers and sisters. But can you say it when you're in a room full of unbelievers? I was sharing with Tony this morning. I was so blessed yesterday when I opened up. I I was looking on Facebook, and it spoke about the lady that the finger of God, Heidi Clem. She, um, her, her ministry goes out into, um, the Muslim countries. And this is a time and season where the enemy decided he was going to attack Paris, and everybody's thinking, oh, my God, guess what? You have the most Muslims coming to Christ. Her ministry is being effective in spite of what's happening around us. And you see, it's real easy to look at Paris and become discouraged. But the Bible says that where there's great evil, there's greater grace. And something is happening. The enemy is on the defense because God is coming out strong. So I encourage you, if you run into a Muslim, start talking to them about God. Tell them about the God you serve. Tell them about the testimony, what God has done for you. Because it's very easy for us to preach about that. You know you better than, you, than anyone else. You know where God delivered you from. I don't know where I'd be today, but I know where God found me when he found me. And I don't know if I'd be alive today had he not found me. I can tell you about that. I may not be able to quote scripture, you know, like some people and tell you exactly where I found it. But some people aren't going to receive that. You are a living, breathing word. I started off this morning by saying that God spoke a word. You are that word. And what you find is that you begin to uncover what that word is. It's like onions. We hear about the peeling of the onions. Your life has put cover over cover over you to keep you, to keep the light from shining. And as you come to God, he begins to strip them things away. And every time you submit to the process, you shine a little brighter. And this is the opportunity. It's now. It's now or never. Where you get to go out there and you get to tell people about who your God is and about what he did for you. You want to love God? Begin to love his people. Truly love his people. I'm not talking about talking the talk and not walking the walk. I'm talking about your actions meeting you where your words speak. You're surrounded by people all the time that need Christ. 
and the answer is hidden within you, open your mouth. You're going to see how the obstacles begin to move. Because the enemy don't care that you clap on Sunday, that you worship on Sunday. You know what he really cares about? That you open up your mouth on Monday. That you tell somebody about Jesus on Tuesday. That you worship with a coworker on Wednesday. He's not worried about church on Sunday. Because for some people, this is just common. This is something that we do. It's a routine. But you see, when you begin to believe what's preached from this pulpit on Sunday, when you recognize the power that lies within you, and you go out and you begin to talk about it, because guess what? The word that's spoken here on Sunday, you should be talking to people about it on, sun, on Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. At that, when you leave the doors on Sunday, you should be telling somebody about what you learned Sunday during the service so that you don't forget it. You don't want the enemy to steal that seed. And the way that you don't steal it is you meditate on that. We should be able to go into the kingdom of hell and take back that which rightfully belongs to us. I'm going to end with this. Um, Tell me what's stronger. God having an army of bozos that can't function, that wait for direction, that he has to give you directions every step of the way before you react, or having mighty kings and queens that know who they are, that understand the assignment, and are willing to go out and do as he said without him having to point you in that direction every two minutes. There is so much power in you understanding who you are. And I I, I beseech you today, if you don't know who you are, if you don't understand the power that there is in you, seek it out. The Bible says that if you knock, he will open. If you ask, he's going to tell you. Begin to ask. Because once you figure out who you are, there's no devil in hell that can stop you. There's no addiction that will hold you. There's no sickness that will stop you. Because you'll understand that those are just the details of life. But the truth, the truth makes a way. And nothing affects the truth. Amen. Hallelujah. So love God, love people. We spoke about characteristics. We spoke about empty reflections. And we also spoke about no judgment zone. And uh, just to land the plane and and to close this out rightfully, um, we're going to talk about one of the hardest things for people to do. Uh, We might not acknowledge it, and we might not think that we we, we don't suffer with this, but a lot of us do, um, which is unforgiveness. Uh, Unforgiveness uh, is one of the hardest things for somebody to do. If anybody has ever dealt with unforgiveness, then you know what I'm talking about. Uh, unforgiveness is a poison. It, it eats at you. It, it tears your health apart. It's actually statistically proven that when you have unforgiveness in your heart, you actually can carry, or your subject are prone to get a disease because it eats at you. It's, it's biblical. And I'm going to give you some verses and then we're going to close it out. Amen. But it was important for me to, to really talk about unforgiveness. I really felt led to do it. 
Um, some people walk with the poison of bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness. And in Matthew 18, 20, uh, 18, 23, unto 35, it's a, it's a short thing. I'm sorry. Uh, Mark eleven twenty two twenty six. 26, it says, Jesus replied, have faith in God constantly. I assure you, most solemnly say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does, and does not doubt in his heart in God's ultimate power, but believes what he says is going to take place. It will be done for him in accordance with God's will. For this reason, I'm telling you, whatever things you ask for in prayer in accordance with God's will, according to God's will, believe with confident trust that he will receive them and they, they will be given on to you. Whenever you stand, stand by praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, drop the issue, let it go. So that your father who is in heaven will also forgive you and your transgressions and your wrongdoings against him and others. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive your transgressions. A lot of us don't understand the power of asking God for forgiveness. Not to mention asking God to release you to forgive somebody else. Especially that hurts you. You know, a couple of years back, and this is why I wanted to talk about this, because when I go and, and, and we start to enter into the holiday season, I'm a, I'm a, I, I, like, I like fun, I like laughter. But like about 10 years ago, um, we went on a family vacation. This is before I was even married. And um, I, went to, I went to Texas, Waco, Texas, to visit my older brother that I haven't seen in years. And around the time, I was coming to church. I was the only believer in my immediate family. So I was the only one that was coming to church. I was a little iffy. I was trying to, 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 to be as holy as I can. Amen? Can anybody say amen to that? I was pushing. And what happened was that I was already trying to live a lifestyle that was according in righteousness to God. So I wasn't drinking, and I, wasn't, I stopped smoking already. I let go of all of that. But my family was still dibbling and dabbling with that stuff. You know, my mom was in and out of alcohol still. So she was in it, but not in it. My brother was fully invested into alcoholism. My older brother as well, because both of them are army guys. Does anybody have an army member in their family? So some of them take it to heart and they serve the country. But a lot of them take it because they just want to party. And that's how my two brothers was in the beginning. So when we went to, um, when, when we went to Texas, uh, I already had like this feeling in my gut that this wasn't going to end up well. Because, you know, my family is family of fighters. They fight. You know, they, they're the type of people, my mom was, you know, had arthritis since she was 26 years old. So my mom used to be the one with the cane in the hood. And if you mess with her, she's swinging that silver cane to your head. They were fighters. So what happened was we went to Texas and we were on vacation and everything started off well. The day that I landed in Texas and we, we were in the house, here, here comes the alcohol. Now they want the, the orange juice with vodka. And they're drinking and they're having a great time. And I'm trying to be holy, holy, holy. Lord God almighty. And it bothered them. It all, oh, it frustrated them. Because I was trying to walk right. And every five minutes they found a way to criticize me and try to get something out of me. Because I was like the firecracker. You know, it didn't take much to light me up and me just, and just start wanting to fight. 
So they knew, and they were trying every scheme. And you know, you know when you have a brother or sister, they know what buttons to push. They know what to say and what not to say. So, you know, it was already like about 10 o'clock at night, and my mom was about to go to sleep. You know, my brother is still drinking in the porch. And, um, you know, I go, you know what, let me get out the room. My mom was like, listen, go hang out with your brothers, because I was getting ready to go to sleep, and she, like, was forcing me to go hang out with my brothers, but I knew this was a bad idea. <laughs> so I get up, and I try to be, you know, a godly man and, and seek fellowship, and... Uh, we go to the living room, and my brothers is just, like, partying, man. Like, it's just two of them, and there's loud music. They're playing pool. You see smoke everywhere. They're smoking cigarettes. They're just going in. And I felt uncomfortable. So one of them had a wild idea, and they said, come on, let's go outside to the trampoline. So we go outside to the trampoline. And I'm innocent because now I'm like a little kid, right? I never had a trampoline in my life. So I'm jumping with rigorous strength here. I'm just like, mm, mm. and it's nighttime and I'm jumping and I feel like I'm touching the sky. And all of a sudden, my older brother decides to push me in midair. And he pushed me and I went flying off that trampoline. I'm talking about, I felt like, anyway, I felt like I was flying. American Airlines flying. <laughs> I land on the floor and the anger that rose up in me just reacted, snapped. So what I did was I grabbed his leg in the middle of his jump and I pulled him. He lands right on the grass. Boom. So then now my older brother, which is the, se- the middle one, jumps at me to defend the older one. So me and him start to fight. And then the older one comes, and now he starts to fight me. So now instead of me fighting one brother, which is already bigger than me, now I got to fight both of them. And it, and it got into this crazy fight. I mean, the words that were just mm, in that atmosphere. And my mother wakes up. And now we're fighting in the living room. We're breaking the TV. We're breaking the chairs. My brothers, you know, they're, they're, they're in alcohol. And I'm, and I'm sitting and I'm sober, but I got to defend myself. They're like literally trying to kill me. Um, there was a glass door and they threw me through the glass door. I went flying through the glass door and they're enjoying every moment of it. Um, my mom comes out and she gets mad at me. And she goes, you're the reason why this family is, 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 is broken up. You're the reason why this family is the way that it is. You, you don't understand. I disown you as a son. And she cocks it back. Pat. And pats me right in my face. And I remember like this feeling that I was feeling. I was so hurt. Because here I go. I'm just trying to be the light. And trying to just spend time with my family that I haven't seen in years. And now they are kicking my butt. To the point where I'm bleeding. Some of you look at my lip. You might be able to see some of the scars. My brother um, had an army ring. It was like this big, huge, you know, the graduation from high school rings with the red rubies on it? Man, we go from inside the house. They take me from inside the house. They throw me outside of the house. Now we're fighting outside of the house. The neighbors is trying to stop it. They're, then my brothers fight the neighbors. Then they come back on me. I'm on the floor. I'm like, and they still kicking me. And then I get up. We fighting again. They grab my briefcase. They bring it outside. They throw it on the top of his roof. My boxes is everywhere. Clothes is flying. I mean, it was just chaos. But that didn't bother me. What bothered me was the point where my own family was like, yo, you are the reason why we don't love anybody. And it was like a humongous attack on my family. So much so that my mom called the cab, Waco, Texas. And I had to get a cab one hour away to go to the airport all by myself a day before New Year's. And I had to pay about 
$500 to get on a plane to fly back to the Bronx and spend New Year's all by myself. And I remember on the ride home, I was sitting there and I was hating my family. And I was trying to be as godly as possible. And I said, God, this is what you want? This is what you want for me? You want me to carry this? And it was at that time where God began to speak to me and said, listen, I know what you're feeling, but this is what I felt. This is what I felt. And a lot of times we choose to hold back on the forgiveness, but what, what, what we're not understanding is that when we choose not to forgive, we're keeping that other person in bondage and we're also keeping ourselves in that bondage. And it's not until you release them and give them to God that you begin to feel liberated and free and joyful again and God be able to work on that believer, on that person. If, if you forgive anyone anything, I too forgive that one. And what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of and with the approval of Christ. To keep Satan from taking advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. When you choose not to forgive, you are allowing the enemy to take advantage of you. When you choose to hold back and not release and let it go. The enemy is having a field day with your life. He is having a field day with your health. He's attacking each aspect of you because you're choosing to hold on to something that you need not to hold on to. And it's something as simple as saying, I forgive. But it was so hard for me to forgive. Because what my brother didn't understand is that after we left Waco, Texas... He eventually had to come live with me again. And boy, I was waiting for that day to come. That he'll walk right back through my door. And I had so many ideas. I was going to make booby traps like Home Alone 3, 2, and 1. I had something waiting for him. But I remember that when 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 I went to church, how pastor in this time and season was speaking about forgiveness. And then I had to think about what is more important. Me getting, getting, releasing my anger and beating them up and never finding a resolution or me finally letting it go and giving them to God. And it was funny because a little bit after that situation, we had a men's group come into my house and they prayed over that couch that my brother slept on. And little after that, he ended up moving to Massachusetts. And little after that, he ended up giving his life to the Lord. And then my mom, the one that, that was mad at me, we didn't speak for two years. I called, she wouldn't pick up. <laughs> you smacked me, mom. But it didn't matter to God. God was saying, I'm doing the work in you. In you, Nate. Because my whole life, I lived in that anger. I lived in that frustration. I couldn't forgive my dad for leaving my mom. I couldn't forgive my dad for beating on his kids. I couldn't forgive my mom for dealing with the drugs and everything. So God had to take me through a working process when I felt like I wasn't the one that deserved it. Other people deserve it. I was the one that had to deal with it. But God, when, when, you, when you go through that forgiveness process, the, the refining of it makes you so different. Yes. That even when your own coworkers spit on you, you're still able to love them through. Even when people fall short in your life, you're still able to love. 
And that to me is more important for me to love on somebody, for me to care about somebody. I don't have to react the way that I did before. You see, now my dad calls me and we can have a professional and grown up conversation because I don't hate him. I released him to God. I gave him to God. I gave him to the Lord Jesus Christ because I want God to do a work in him. And in order for God to begin that work, I had to release him. I had to go before God and I had to do three things. I had to A, number one, decide. Decide. You have to decide to forgive. The Bible says, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, letting go of both the wrong and the resentment. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power of the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others their trespasses, their wickedness, and their willful sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Sometimes you might have to give God your children. Because you want to give them a cocotazo. Because they deserve it. If you're in a marriage, you might want to give God your wife because they deserve it. You might want to give God your husband because they deserve it. Look, in order for the process of change to happen in people, you cannot hold them in contentment. You are not the judge. You are not. You have to get to a place where you let it go. Like the Frozen song. (laughs) Number two, you cannot do this alone. You cannot do this alone. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to give you the peace. It says in John, and he, and when he says this, his brethren to them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. For if you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven because of their faith. If you retain the sins of anyone, they are retained and remain unforgiven because of their unbelief. The Holy Spirit can give you the peace. The Holy Spirit can help you release them and help them move on to another season and let God begin to work in them. But you are finally free from that burden. You're finally free from the discomfort in your body. You're finally free from the discomfort. You know, it's harder for me to hate you than for me to love you. I put more work in making a frown than making a smile. I don't want to hate anybody. I want to live for a lot of years. I don't want to give the enemy the gateway to come into my family's life and bring any type of disease. And my power, my ability is to let it go. Let it go. That's the only thing that you have to do when you think about the people. Because people do hurt people. But hurt people hurt people. Heal people. Heal people. But if you are hurt and you're walking around wounded because of something that happened to you 15, 25 years ago. Something that happened to you yesterday. You're killing yourself. You're destroying yourself because you're not choosing to be free. You'd rather choose to be bound than to let it go and let God do the work in their life? All you have to do is move with the mercy and grace that God gives us. Freely. Freely we can surely give it back to others. 
And number three, which is the hardest part, it's obey. So first you have to decide. Then you have to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. And then you have to obey and follow through with the process. It's not good enough just saying it. You have to follow through. Action speaks louder than words. So what happened when my brother finally walked through the door? I swung. (laughs) But then after I swung, I hugged him. And I released everything. And we sat there and we both cried. And we both gave it to God. And he didn't even know Jesus at the time. Because he knew, what were we fighting for? We're family. Why are you fighting with people? Why are you fighting with complete strangers? Why are you allowing people to get you into that zone? To get you into that place where you're... When when somebody cuts you off in the highway, how do you feel? You got to quickly ask for forgiveness. That's something my wife does every morning. Somebody cuts her off, all of a sudden it rises up, and then she lets it back go. She lets it go. Lord, forgive me. I feel some kind of way. And then she starts to bless them with their prayer, with her prayer. Lord, bless them. I don't know how the day is going. And she begins to release. It's, it's, it's really that simple. And it says, but I say unto you who hear me and pay attention to my words, love, that is unselfishly seek the best of higher good for your enemies. Make it a practice. Do good to those who hate you. Bless and show kindness to those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Isn't that hard? I listen to it and I get upset. But I know that that's my breakthrough. Hallelujah. Another person I had to release was the person that shot me. For seasons, I was having dreams about what I'd do if I was to ever encounter him. Oh, that was a hard one. I had to release that sucker because it was keeping me bound. Every single time I praise and try to worship, I have him in my mind. And it wasn't a positive thing. It was negative. And I had to go before God multiple times. This is just this was one, just one prayer. It wasn't just one amen and hallelujah. It took a process. And I had to go through the process of release. That I said, God, whenever I see him, don't allow me to touch him. And then I started, instead of me having visits of me, Hitting him and, and trying to stab him or whatever, I'll, I'll start having visits of me hugging him and giving him a high five and thanking him because if it wasn't through that situation, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. My God. Hallelujah. It's a simple let it go process. Say to your neighbor, let it go. Pray for your enemies, pray for those that hurt you. Stop carrying around those burdens that aren't benefiting you can you believe that unforgiveness allows you doesn't allow you to become a good parent if i would have never forgave my father i would have tried to do traditionally what my father did to me and i'll do it on to naisha and i would have done it on to michaela but i released it so before i got married i was already prepared to do what god told me to do in my fathership in my fatherhood So I didn't have to do it like my father did because I released all that pain. What people do is that when they're hurt, they replicate the pain. That's why a lot of men and women believe that they're going to become like their fathers and mothers. Because what was painful becomes a permanent image and they feel like they got to do the exact same thing. 
But I'm here to tell you that you don't have to do it like that. You don't have to live like that. And if you are living like that, this is a moment for you to forgive. That before you walk into that Thanksgiving dinner and you don't like your cousin or your primo or your tia or whatever it is, you'll walk in there with a clear conscience, with a loving heart, so that they can see God through you. That you won't have to be uncomfortable in that stage. You, when they come to you and they try to bring up the old things, I don't even want to talk about that anymore. Let's talk about the fact that you look marvelous today. Hallelujah. Let's talk about the fact that you lost weight. You know, you don't have to worry about those past things. Let it go. Jesus. Amen? You must stop repeating the offense. You can't get over it if you continue to talk about it. Stop talking about it. Boom, throw away that key. Because as you continue to talk about it, you keep opening up the wound. You don't allow it time to heal. My God. Stop gossiping about it. Stop telling the world about it. Stop putting stumbling blocks for other people. In Proverbs 7, 9, and I'm going to end with this, I promise. It says, it says that he who covers an offense seeks love. He who covers and forgives an offense seeks love, but those, but he who repeats or gossips about a matter separates intimate friends. By you opening and constantly talking about those things, you're opening and you're pushing away intimate friends that could be in your life to benefit you, to benefit your family. Amen. We can all just rise and. Before a pastor comes and closes us out, it's a powerful word. It's a strong word. To me, it was a great word. I just want to just ask anybody if you want to come up and uh, and pray to forgive, whatever it is, to pray about forgiveness, to let something go that you've been carrying for so many years. Maybe against your boss. Maybe against your cousin or sister. Come up. Come up. Let's release the ministers. Ministers, come up. See, this is what I felt in the spirit. I felt that we had to talk about the unforgiveness because it's about time that you get free from the things that you're holding on to. You need to begin to ask, to go through that process of healing. Please start to pray with them. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Are there any men that need to forgive their father? Forgive a brother. Come on, I know that you're holding something in there. Men always hold something in. They don't like nobody to know what they're going through. Come on, stop holding on to that thing. I'm telling you, that toughness is going to get you hurt. Learn how to be vulnerable, amen? Amen.